This is Out of Fashion, a podcast with Martin Kamer, hosted by Remo Hecklen. Dear listeners, welcome to another episode of the podcast Out of Fashion with Martin Kamer, who is a dealer and collector of historic fashion. Martin, thank you for having me today. It's always a pleasure being with you. Welcome, you're welcome. We are sitting in your library, in your apartment in Zug in Switzerland, and we are surrounded with books and magazines, old photographs, daguerreotypes, and many, many fascinating objects which you have collected over several decades. An important part in collecting and dealing is research and documentation. How do you go about it? Oh, that depends on the project one's working on. I started very young to collect information. Um, I used to collect recycled newspapers. We used to do that when we were children. We, we At school, we used to go around the neighborhood with a cart and ask people, have you got any old magazines, any old newspapers? We used to collect them because we sold them to, um, a, uh, to dealers and to gain some money for our school trips. They paint the school trips. So in my neighborhood, I had some very interesting people living in my neighborhood, and they some families had very interesting magazines. And especially there was a doctor that had a, uh, a sort of a client magazine from some of their um, drug manufacturers, and it was called Medicine de France. And I, what I used to do is I used to get those um, papers and magazines home and go through them and cut out all the interesting um, articles because this Medicine de France was a very fascinating um, magazine. It had in every uh, issue, they had a very interesting article about art, about artists. And so it has opened up a whole new world to me and I got to learn about artists, maybe not major painters, major artists, but sort of interesting artists that were minor artists but they were representative they they um, were very important for for me for my uh, clothing research very, very and studies yes studies before which that, already started when you were a kid yeah yeah it was just for fun and i mean i just was hungry i wanted to know i wanted to learn and um so, um, do you still possess some of these magazines oh, yes. or cutouts? Uh, cutouts, yes, they're, they're all filed away, in a, and uh, I've still got quite a few. And um, I discovered some very interesting artists like Glouet, a French uh, Renaissance artist with very interesting drawings. I've discovered Holbein, I discovered some minor Swiss artists, minor, they were minor in the 50s, now they're very important, like Lyotard. And um, these were very important for um, for clothing, from for my information of what people. There was also a, um, an art magazine in Switzerland called Do, which came out monthly, and it had it, it was all about art and photography. And, and I remember one culture, spe- culture in general. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember one uh, special number where. There was um, a number about early 19th century Swiss photography. And that opened up a whole new world to me because before I only sort of really knew 
um, fashion magazines um, where there were fashion drawings, engravings. And then suddenly I found these photographs and they showed people, real people in real clothing. And that really fascinated me. And that's when I started to start um, collecting 19th century photography. When was that? Oh, that was when I was about 15, I guess. Um, when I went to art school, there was a, um, a second-hand shop around the corner. And was it the same second-hand shop where you got the yeah. dress, your yeah. first... Uh, my first Charleston dress, my first Charleston dress. dress. Yeah. And I, um, one day I found a big photo album full of um, carte visites, and it was a very interesting one. I still got it. It's a very beautiful album. It's in green leather, and it has a tremendous amount of photographs of a family, a Swiss family, that had was in Singapore, and they had... Uh, intermarried with Malaysian people so they were half caste and these people were all in crinolines and so it's very interesting and I unfortunately don't know who that family was it was just somebody obviously inherited this um, photo album and just gave it to charity to this charity, charitable shop and um, I still got it which is wonderful and then when I started studying in London um, I went to Portobello Road every Saturday a certain kind of research that I did there was I stopped at interesting market stands and asked the dealers what things were. They must have cursed me. So you me would never stop asking them I never, questions. I asked all the, that's, I learned a lot through that, you know. And furthermore, part of our studies at the um, academy, the art academy where I was, we had a um, museum study every Friday where we went to research we had a project, like we did a medieval play, so we went to the Victoria and Albert Museum and they have a big series called the um, the Devonshire House uh, Hunting Parties and it's this sort of uh, medieval uh, tapestry with all these nobles and people depicted on these things. And when we did Shakespeare, we went and had a look and tried to find out what did these people wear and... Uh, then also every Friday we sat in the library and um, did research in the library. We were able to get all these extraordinary books out, which inspired me to also start collecting books. And you enjoyed being in the library? Oh, I loved it, yes. And I loved being in, in, in the Victoria and Albert Museum. In such an important building. Yeah, and then we also went to the National Gallery to look at painting. But, of course, the Victoria and Albert was very important because there was sculpture as well. So you saw some of these medieval sculptures and so you saw... So you had all the references. Yeah, and they were in the round. They weren't flat designs you know there was a sculpture a sculpture so you could walk around it and see what did the, the dress look in front what looked the big back look like which was very interesting and great fun did you take pictures of those sculptures or did you and uh, those days we didn't have draw cameras. or we draw it, we drew it yeah, yeah and um, <laughs> 60 years ago the culture was very different i mean very few people had cameras because it was very costly you had to buy the film and then you had to um, develop, develop. It. it was very expensive now everybody can snap and it's it's practically it doesn't cost much anymore so now you can snap away happily and uh, people do talking about then and now how has your technique in researching changed over the years oh it's very really difficult to tell you I, I never had a technique i just went in and 
and in, in, searched out what I thought I might need, what I... <coughs> you, you never know. You never suddenly know, no, no. you need it. Yeah, and um, I had educated myself quite a lot about artists in different countries and then architecture. Also, I was interested in porcelain, in textiles, because there is a certain language of form and decoration, which is unique to each epoch. And that's what I was interested in. You mean like it influences all kind of different all, all artwork? Visual, all visual arts. Or visual arts in general. And, and all um, crafts Craft, as well. yeah. Crafts, yeah. So There's a sort of uh, universal language that belongs to a certain epoch. And, you know. and I remember once you told us about architecture in clothing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the same, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It, like it, it all it, comes it's a together. Visual language that that is like advertising. You look at advertising from the fifties, from the sixties, or from now. When you open up a magazine, you can straight away tell mm. roughly which decade decade it belongs to. Mm. I have many books, as you see, and I've got different aspects of books. I've got a big collection of fashion magazines. I start with the first fashion magazine that was ever published in the world, which is the Cabinet des Modes from the late 18th century. Oh, we have it on the table now. Yeah. It's a book. It's not a magazine. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was published in wrappers originally, and then somebody collected it and had it bound in a leather, in a leather beautiful leather binding in the 18th century. And um, it's got... Every month it has one or two illustrations of an elegant lady or an elegant man. Sometimes there's also a piece of interior decoration, like a, a no, new chair. Oh, wow, in, 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 in colour. And it's sometimes you have um, also you have shoe buckles. And this is a very interesting magazine because it was the first magazine. Before there were publications with fashion drawings and fashion um, information, but they didn't come up at, out, out at the regular interval. This magazine came out every fortnight, so it's a real periodical. The others weren't periodical. It's, they it's, came it's out. quite small, actually. Yes, it's quite small, yes. It's, it's handy. It's handy. It's, a, it's bigger than a postcard, but it's about half A size, A4. Mm. It's interesting when you read in one of and these magazines came out every fortnight, as I said, and in one issue, the there is an editor's note, and the editor um, begs everybody pardon because last fortnight the magazine didn't come out. He said we couldn't publish because of the only two well-known happenings in Paris: the revolution had started, but the um, Bastille was um, destroyed and so there was big unrest in Paris and they couldn't publish. So and you possessed that issue. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's and then there's another, there's um, a German magazine called, I've got that as well, it's called Journal de Luxus und der Moden and that was also a similar um, fashion magazine and also with illustrations for, for uh, interior decoration, jewellery, Shoe buckles were very important in those days. And in the um, Cabinet des Modes is one shoe buckle in the shape of the Bastille. After the fall of the Bastille, they... Um, that was fashionable yeah, at that time. Yeah, that was fashionable, yes. <laughs> and um, so on it goes. And then I've got 
throughout the century, I've got Journal des Dames et des Modes, I've got La Mode, The Bazaar, La Mode Illustrée. In the later 19th century, in the 20th century, I've got lots of Vogue's, Officiel, and I also have Elle, the 1960s. Mainly French magazines. Yeah, the high fashion magazines are... No Italian they, magazines did they exist I've got by that some, time? I've got some Italian from the from the seventies, yeah, but the French were really special in the thirties, and I've got um, from the teens onwards. And as I said in another episode, I've got all these photographs of the of elegant ladies at the at the races. Right. I also got a huge collection of carte de visite, which was the first kind of paper photography and they made these little like pay, playing cards and it was when you went went to visit somebody you left a card behind to put to, to show them that you had called and that became a great big um uh, industry in the 19th century and um, all royalty had carte visits made and they were sold and there was some photograph photographers made a lot of money it was a success like my all and 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 yeah Nowadays, you give access to your private library to people that are researching certain aspects of fashion. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us who has taken up the offer to research so far? Well, um, one of the people that came was is a friend of mine from Australia, Professor Peter McNeil. And he was researching a book. He was writing a book on macaroni, the uh, English young men that went to Italy did the grand tour and came back to London and or England and were very fanciful dresses and they were called macaronis. And he did a book on that and he researched... It's, it's a like lot. a dandy style, isn't it? Yes, a, yeah, yeah, it's called a macaroni and they were quite extravag extravagant. And he actually wrote the book and he dedicated it to me, which was very lovely of him. Then I had, um, for example... Clarissa Esquera from LACMA, a curator from LACMA, they were doing a big exhibition on men's fashion. It was called Reigning Men. And she came and did a lot of research for a couple of days, or three or four days while she was here. She was on her way to Italy for a, to a conference. So she sat here and I showed her all my photographs and she did a lot of research in the photographs at the races because the photograph of the races is not only women, there's lots of men in there as well. They're not the focus of the photographs. It's the second row. The second row, but it's very important for men's fashion, for example. And then I have another friend of mine who's a curator in a museum in Germany, Maria Spitz, and she's been here several times when she does an exhibition. She comes for four or five days to my library and goes through, gets, seeks inspiration. And now she's working for the C&A Fashion Museum. Yeah, it? in uh, Mettingen in Metting. Germany. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's a curator there. I've lent her a lot of material as well. She did, um, uh, she did a big exhibition about the history of the beginning of C&A. And there were two men called Clemens and August, and that's why they're called C&A. They were um, interrent, um, they went around, Holland and Germany, the border, with their ha hawking their wares from house to house. And that's how they started. And that's, that's how where, it all started. It all started very small and then it became big and big and bigger. And so she did a big exhibition. So I lent her half my 
my home in London <laughs> was in Metting on show. Ribbons and laces and sort of uh, accessories. She then built a big shop with items that Clemens and August would have sold. How often are you sitting in your library for research purposes? Well, almost daily. I've got two libraries, actually. I've got my main library and a little library in, my, in a corner in my bedroom where I keep um, things that I have worked on. I'm, I've worked on several exhibitions and there are catalogues and things. So that's my personal research library stuff that I've been involved in. So before it was all... Um, messed up, but now I can find stuff very quickly and uh, that's very great. It's well sorted. Yeah. Sometimes it's very difficult to, f I f sort of have a vague idea where these books are, sort of go, uh, that book's got to be in that corner and over there. And then I go look for it and I can't find it because it's very difficult because I've got lots of photographs and pictures standing in front of the books. <laughs> As I can see. <laughs> it's, sometimes, it's sometimes quite perilous because I have to take the uh, photographs of the daguerreotypes down and have a look. And, uh, Life is a puzzle. Yes, and my library is a puzzle too. And, and I've got one uh, section is about photography and then I have another section, two or three shelves, just books about jewellery, different jewellery designers. I still um, cut out uh, pictures out of magazines or um, there is a Gazette du Drôle, which is a a Gazette, a French publication, which advertises all the big auctions that are coming up in Paris and they have sometimes the uh, auction houses put in advertisements and sometimes it's very interesting. So scissors come out and they cut it out. And, and it goes on and on. Yeah, going on and on. And then when I, I've got, there's a very fabulous um, jewellery designer called Suzanne Belperon, French, absolutely fantastic. And quite often... And French auctions, some of her pieces come up. So I cut it out and I put it in the book that I have about her. So this extra... Sorry. Extra content. Extra content, yes. Yeah. Nice. Thank you very much for today's episode, Martin. And dear listeners, thank you all very much for your interest. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> This was Out of Fashion.